Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habits of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. If you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I always love when we take a peek behind the scenes into Hollywood and see how the sausage is made. We're going to do that this week with Rodney Barnes, executive producer and writer for the HBO Max series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. A great look behind the scenes into the show from creation to casting to writing. That's coming up on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good, and you and me both love going behind the scenes with the uh, HBO productions, and I tell you, this is one that's fun, too, because, you know, we love that era. We love the magic era and the whole Lakers history and dynasty, and, uh, you know, just I love the writing of these these stories and these shows. It's fascinating to me, so fun interview today with Rodney. I mean, it's interesting. I'm ahead of the the group because I think we're on episode four right now as we record this of Winning Time. I got an advanced screener, so I'm on episode eight. And look, I think the casting is very well done. There's some really good actors, but you know, you always wonder when you don't talk to the characters themselves, the real life characters, Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Kareem, Pat Riley, Paul Westhead, obviously Dr. Jerry Buss is, is past. You wonder how accurate are the depictions and the stories. And Anytime you do something in Hollywood, you're going to embellish it a little bit and add a little pizzazz to it. So, you know, you have to factor that in with this. But is it entertaining? Yes, it's entertaining. The sets, the music, the costumes, all of that is pretty entertaining. And, you know, I'm enjoying it so far. I don't look at it and go, oh, wow, I completely think differently of Jerry West or Pat Riley or, you know, Dr. Buss or whoever, because I watch this. But it's entertaining. Yeah, it's not like a, a documentary and, and, you know, real life and true, true, true. But yeah, I agree. I think the, the costume is great and the settings are great. The music's fun. It totally does a good job of that era and, and you get that feel from it. So I really think it's, it's done well. All right, let's look at some sports business headlines of the week. It's March Madness, Griggs. I think 
my bracket is definitely busted. Yours is too, because we had Gonzaga and Arizona in the final, and they both are gone. The men's final four in New Orleans. You've got Kansas and Villanova, and then Duke and North Carolina. I think we have a recipe for the highest rated final four ever. The only reason it wouldn't be is because it's on TBS, not CBS. So that might make a difference, even though most people in this day and age have access to TBS. But Duke and North Carolina, they've got that storied rivalry. North Carolina beat Coach K in his last game in Cameron Indoor. And they've got a chance to end his career. They're bitter rivals. They've never met in the Final Four. So that's one game. And then you've got Kansas and Villanova. So Griggs, at the end of the day, we talked about St. Peter's. We talked about all these upsets and Cinderella's. You've got four of the most successful basketball programs of all time who are in the men's final four. It's going to be pretty darn good there in uh, New Orleans for our friend Joanne Scott. Oh, yeah, it's a great setup. I think the games are just uh, going to be fascinating. Great schools, like you mentioned. And I mean, Coach K's run, he's he's just watchable TV. You have to watch. You have to see what he's going to do and see what his team's going to do. And they are playing really good ball now. But yeah, what a what a great rematch with North Carolina and Duke. That's going to be fun. And like you said, Kansas and Nova. I mean, great schools, great teams. Kansas, the last number one seed in. So, uh, yeah, Final Four is going to be fun to watch. All right. Who do you have? Ooh, I think I'm going to have Kansas beating Nova and I got to go with Duke. I, I think they're going to come back and, and, and beat North Carolina. I'm going to go Duke against Villanova in the final with Coach K riding off into the sunset, winning one last title. What an ending it would be for him. But I think that Duke-North Carolina game is going to be a really competitive game. Now, that's the men's Final Four. The women's Final Four, you've got Stanford and UConn playing in one semifinal, and you've got South Carolina and Louisville. So they've got four really heavy hitter schools, iconic schools in their Final Four as well. Griggs, the game of the tournament wasn't on the men's side. It was the double overtime UConn over North Carolina State game to get into the Final Four for UConn. Paige Backers went nuts. I think she had 27 points. Just clutch. Uh, great game. Great game. Had everything in it. I love watching the women's game because they're just so fundamentally sound. They make good decisions on the basketball court. They're not as high flying. You're not obviously seeing tons of dunks, um, but it's just really fundamentally sound basketball. Great crowds on the women's side. The TV ratings have been very good. So that's going to be a great Final Four, and that's in Minneapolis. And Paige Beckers is going home. She's from Minneapolis. Yeah, it's been awesome. I've been following Stanford all season, and they're just so fun to watch. And like you said, fundamental, man. I mean, the passing is so good. They're so fast. The women's side is just a fast game. It's so fun to watch how quickly they get up and down the court. So I'm excited for that Final Four, too. It's a great matchup all the way around. we got eight great teams in here, if you count both of them. All right, our next headline this is speculation. It's ramping up. They're even following his plane on uh, plane tracker on Twitter. Is Tiger Woods going to play in the Masters? We know that Phil Mickelson is out. Is Tiger Woods roughly a year and three months removed from a horrific car accident going to be in the field in Augusta? He's listed on the website. There have been people that have gotten kind of that Zapruder film of him playing practice rounds in Florida where he's walking the course to see if his legs can handle four days in a row of walking the course. Is he going to play in the Masters? Griggs, if he does, the TV ratings are going to be bonanza and the interest in golf 
for that Masters weekend is going to go through the roof. Oh, yeah, big time. And I mean, this is just great for the PGA. I mean, just the buildup of is he going to be there? Is he going to be there? He's listed on the website. I mean, it gives that that hype, which we all love for the Masters anyways. But now you've got something else to tune in for. And like, is Tiger going to show up? But just fascinating that he's even out there practicing and walking and stuff. I mean, after that wreck, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, that's the thing. Look, please, fans, media, if he does play, do not expect him to win. I mean, I'm not saying, look, with Tiger, anything's possible, right? Like this guy has surprised us before, but just be happy that he's out there. Even if he was on the first tee and was the honorary starter, I would be happy with that just as long as he's involved, but let's not, Oh, Tiger's going to win the masters. He's the favorite or he come on. Like the fact that this guy was in a horrific car accident and can walk is a big deal. If he's able to walk that course for four days in a row, outstanding. What an accomplishment. Um, but let's not put pressure on him and say, oh, yeah, he's got to go out and win the Masters. But, Greg, do you know CBS and just golf fans all over are, are hoping that he plays? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, that's, uh, well, it's, it's the iconic tournament of the year. It's always fun. It's magical. And uh, no matter who's in it. So if you get Tiger in there, it makes it even a next step magical. And, you know, they'll throw back all the highlights and everything from his past wins. But uh, the Masters is great. I'm excited. It's fun for golf. And it's a fun tournament to watch with full crowd capacity. So it'll be good to see. All right. One of the stories in the NFL in the last few years is the Buffalo Bills stadium is not up to NFL standards anymore. And the talk, including with Roger Goodell, the commissioner, was if they don't get a stadium soon, you could be looking at the Bills as a portable team. They may move out of Buffalo and, you know, say what you want about Buffalo, but they have got great fans there. They love their Bills. So a report comes this week that the Buffalo Bills are getting a new $1.4 billion stadium and that New York State and Erie County is going to provide $850 million in public financing. So they're going to cover 60% of the costs for this new stadium. So it breaks down. State's paying $600 million. County's paying $250 million. The owners of the team are paying $350 million plus, And then the NFL is kicking in $200 million. So that's how you get to that $1.4 billion. But Griggs, this is good news because it's not good when a team moves to another city. Um, you know, we've seen what's happened when the Rams left St. Louis and when the Raiders left Oakland. And it, there's just a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. And you have generational fans who are disappointed. But... The Bills look like they're going to be staying in Buffalo with a $1.4 billion stadium. And, you know, it'll be ready in a few years. It's not like it's going to be ready for next season. But this is a step in the right direction for the Bills and the NFL and certainly for the fans in Buffalo. Well, it's great news for Buffalo because, I mean, what a great market. and They've had a great team the last five, six seasons. They've got an awesome quarterback now. And, you know, it's just a good football market. You get the cold, the windy, the snow games. The crowd loves it up there. And Buffalo is always fun. So I think this is awesome. And, and it's cool how they did the funding, too. A good breakdown there on the uh, funding. And they got a lot from the state. That's good. All right. More NFL news. Detroit. The Lions are in the news this week. Why? For two reasons. Number one, the Lions are going to be the featured team on HBO's Next season of Hard Knocks. So Greg's Hard Knocks is going to follow the Detroit Lions. That'll be interesting. And then the league announced that the 2024 NFL draft will take place in Detroit. So two pieces of good news, unless you don't like being followed around by Hard Knocks, uh, for the Lions and the city of Detroit this week. 
Yeah, I mean, Hard Knocks, we both love that show, and it's always fascinating just to get behind the scenes of these football franchises. And yeah, good for Detroit. I mean, they've been obviously struggling for many, many years, so maybe this will get them a little kick in the uh, booty and get them some TV time. And then uh, the draft is always good when you can host it in your hometown. All right, last headline. Uh, there has been some musical chairs for the NFL broadcasters this offseason, and we know that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman moved from Fox to ESPN to do Monday Night Football. We also know that Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet are doing Amazon Thursday night football. Jim Nance and Tony Romo staying put at CBS, but this week Fox announced that Kevin Burkhart is going to replace Joe Buck as the primary play-by-play broadcaster for NFL games. So uh, we're still waiting to see who his analyst is. A lot of people think it's going to be former player Greg Olson, but we will see. But Kevin Burkhart is going to round out the broadcasters for the NFL and for Fox. And it's interesting, Griggs, because Fox is broadcasting two of the next three Super Bowls. So if you haven't heard a lot of Kevin Burkhart because he was the number two behind Joe Buck, he's now the number one. So you're going to hear a lot more about him. Yeah, he's going to be a busy guy, and I think he does a a good job. It's not a big flashy hire necessarily for Fox, but uh, he does a good job. Greg Olson would be a good uh, compliment. He does well, too, but uh, it'll be a little change. I think he does well, and uh, like you said, he gets the big stage, a couple of Super Bowls in his contract. So again, the rundown. Amazon Thursday Night Football, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, CBS, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, Fox, Kevin Burkhart and probably Greg Olson, NBC, Mike Tirico, is replacing Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, and then ESPN, Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman. Those are really good broadcast teams. And of course, you know, not mentioned there, you've got the Manning cast. And I love watching Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football. They've signed up for another season as well. Before we get to the Rodney Barnes conversation, I want to tell you that Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. It's the fastest growing fantasy app ever with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff. I've been having lots of fun playing with the app during March Madness. There have been boosts. There's pick'em games. There's rival games. We've got NFL and Major League Baseball going on, NBA games every night, NBA playoffs coming up. So the Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com, or you can get it on iOS and Android. Once you've downloaded the app, you can draft your team in minutes to win real cash prizes. Underdog's primary draft-based game is best ball. It's an innovative form of season-long fantasy that requires no management after the draft. Participants simply draft their 20-player teams, and each week they receive points at each starting lineup spot for the players who scored the most points. There's no worries about setting your lineup, making trades, or working waiver wires. You just draft your team and that's it. Underdog also offers those player pick'em games, including rivals, which is head-to-head player matchups. Those are fun. Over-unders and daily weekly drafts. We've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users can get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. All right, coming up next, Rodney Barnes. We're going to go inside the HBO Max series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. He's the executive producer and writer. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 
My guest is Rodney Barnes. He is the executive producer of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. It's on HBO Max. It's a 10-episode series based on the Lakers of the 1980s. I'll preface this conversation with Rodney and our audience by letting everyone know that I've had the real-life Jeannie Buss, the real-life Paul Westhead on this show, and I lived in Los Angeles. I went to Loyola Marymount University in the 1980s, so I had a front row seat to the Showtime era. Rodney, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I feel some pressure now since you've got, you know, those esteemed folks attached. To <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just letting you know that the, some of the real life characters on this show have been on with me. And I got to tell you, I like it. I, I've got the screener. So I've I've watched some of the episodes. I won't give out any spoilers, but uh I think you guys did a great job with this. Let's start with how did you get involved in this project? Uh, I was uh, contacted by my frequent writing partner, Max Bornstein, uh, who is our showrunner and executive producer on the show as well. And we've been writing together for almost 10 years. And um, he reached out, said, you know, I think I'm going to do this liquor thing. How about hopping on with me and let's make this thing happen. So this was loosely based on the book from Jeff Perlman, Showtime, that served as the foundation. How much work did you need to do on the scripts for each episode off of the book? Uh, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I think Jeff's book was sort of the foundation uh, that we use, like you said, but everybody wrote a book except Dr. Buss. So we had to do an exhaustive um, research, deep dive into virtually every character um, for a lot of different reasons, not just for narrative purposes, but legal purposes as well, because we had to work within the boundaries of reality uh, more often than not. And so it was between that YouTube uh, articles that were written by, um, you know, different journalists and such. So it was exhaustive research process. Did you speak with any of the characters themselves, or did you just read the books and, and go on to YouTube? Uh, it was mostly reading books. We had a lot of technical advisors and folks that came in and talked to us, Gary Beatty, Rick Fox. Uh, Rick Fox was our technical advisor throughout, and different folks that gave us you know context to the things that we were reading and studying. And then at what point did HBO greenlight this? Because it seems like I heard about it a while ago before the show actually aired. There's been some momentum building towards the, the debut. I think after they saw the script and we pitched the season to them, what the season could be, because initially it was going to be a miniseries. And then we saw more than a miniseries. And you know, it sort of uh, took on a life of its own. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think once uh, the network saw the possibilities for what it could be, that's when we got the green light. So can you tell us, has season two been greenlit already? You just mentioned that you kind of envisioned multiple seasons here. We're working on it. We're writing it. Uh, we haven't gotten the green light quite yet, but we're working on season two as we speak. I mean, it seems like from what I'm seeing, you know, about 1.2 million viewers uh, looks like a good audience so far off the first few episodes as we record this. Yeah, it went up 30% from the first episode to the second, and we're hoping that it continues to grow in that way. It's really tough. You know, it's not like the old days when it was only three channels. Uh, right. Back when I was watching TV, it's like, <laughs> now you've got 500 different options for what you want to watch. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, we're happy that the audience is growing and, you know, by and large, folks are digging it. All right. So I want to get into some of your process. So writing, walk me through that process. If you're writing an episode, how long does that take? How many drafts are you doing before you're like, all right, this is the the final product? That's a tough question to answer only because, you know, when we were going through season one and season ones are really tough because you're figuring out what a show is. And we had an idea, like I was saying earlier, when it was a miniseries. And then when we started to expand it and we slowed down the process, because when it was a miniseries, it was just going to be those four or six episodes and that would be the whole thing. But then when we decided it was going to be one season and we started looking at the characters with a little bit more detail and depth, uh, then COVID hit. So we had an extra year between the pilot and shooting to really go over the scripts and massage them more and more and more. So the process took about three and a half years, hmm. which, which is longer than any of the other shows I've been associated with uh, have taken. But I think this case was unique in a sense, again, because of COVID and the subject matter at hand and so many characters you've got. I mean, we've got a huge cast and everybody has to be served and, Finding the narrative real estate for each character to sort of breathe, um, you know, it's no easy task. So it's a tough question to answer. Usually, I mean, on on most shows, you have a 10, 20 week writing period here. We extended that out to like three years. (laughs) I don't know how you would have done this in four to six episodes if it was a miniseries. I mean, I'm on episode eight right now, and I just don't see how you would have packed all of this into four to six episodes, you would have been leaving a lot on the cutting room floor, so to speak. Most definitely. You'd be moving so fast that you wouldn't be able to have this size of the cast and tell this detailed, you know, going to the analysis this deeply. I just think that, yeah, the way we're going about it was the way probably it always should have been. The casting, I think, was brilliant. Uh, John C. Riley as Dr. Jerry Buss. The more <laughs> I watch him, I'm just like, I don't think they could have cast anyone better than John C. Riley as is Dr. Jerry Buss. You've got Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. You've got Jason Siegel as Paul Westhead. Um, how did you get this cast on board? Because you've got some great mix of what I would say is established actors, but then you know you've got uh, some young up and comers that we've never heard of who are doing a great job as well. Francine Maisler, our cast, uh, our casting director, she's fantastic. I mean, between her and then just, you know, Adam McKay has a way because of his gravitas, everything he's accomplished and getting folks to come along and play. I think between those two, uh, you did leave out one of the most important characters, though, and that's me. I'm Maurice. That's right. I saw you got a credit. So I'm just saying, man, that was, you know, that's the anchor to this case. You got Sally Field at one end and then you got me at the other. But but I think uh, Francie's work uh, in finding, uh, finding our magic and our Kareem and all of the guys, I mean, that part really was an exhausting process and a nationwide uh, casting call. But we got really, really lucky. I mean, if you think about Quincy Isaiah, not only to look like Magic Johnson, but to come from Michigan as well and understand like the nuance and cadence of how people talk and how they live. And he can sort of insert that into the idea of magic 
beyond just, you know, looking like him and playing, learning to play basketball like him. And then our Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Dr. Solomon Hughes, who is an educator himself, loves jazz, fortunately is seven feet tall and played pro basketball as well. I mean, you couldn't get luckier. Devon Nixon, who's Norm Nixon's son. Yep. Um, you know, we can go down, go down a list of all of them. We got really, really lucky. Yeah. I, I think Quincy and Solomon, they've done a magnificent job. Um, frankly, I'd never heard of either one of them, but when I saw the teases for the show, I was like, oh my gosh, they, they really embody magic and Kareem. And as I've watched through eight episodes, they've done an excellent job. So, you know, I think the future is bright for them and, and, you know, like you said, they really embody these characters. Because look, when you're trying, I've been around a lot of sports movies, and when you're trying to find characters to play real life people, it's hard because the bar is high. And, you know, whether it's, do they talk like them and look like them? Or can they play a lick of basketball? Like you, you've got a tough job there to bring this all together. And when you think about add to it, just the day-to-day life that they have to go through. Like the other actors have to come in, learn their lines and, you know, do what they do and act. But these guys had to train for basketball. They had to go through physical training. They had to learn their lines. They had to act and they had to go to acting class. And this was a day, all in a day. Wow. And if you think about doing that over the course of like a year and a half, it's just, it's incredible. The discipline and the attitude that they brought to this every day is commendable. It's just been an honor to watch. All right. I want to talk about the shoots themselves. I love the costumes, the music, the sets. Like I'm big on looking for the things beyond just the acting. I think the acting is important, but you guys nailed it with the costumes really of that era, the music of that era and the sets how did that all come together and who on your team works on that? Because again, I think it adds a lot to the series. Oh man. Uh, Emma Potter does our costumes. I mean, we had such great set design, all of this stuff, everything that's under all of that. Uh, we just had the best of the best come in and do it. I think another unsung hero in all of this too, uh, designed by Todd Van Hazel, our director of photography is using the Ikigami. And, uh, you know, the various filters that we use to make it look like Mm -hmm. the late 70s, early 80s as well. It becomes like a character of the show. But it's sort of that McKay thing, man. It's like you get the best of the best to come in. And, you know, from our editing team to every department was sort of the best that you could find in the industry. And we're just so blessed to put it together because it's one thing to have a cast, a great cast. It's another thing to have quality writing. But when you just get all of that other stuff in to complement it, it just sings. And it's just been a blast putting this thing together. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. This edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Roan. They are the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I absolutely love their product. I've been a fan of their company for many years now. Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I've been wearing their Mako short and rain tech long sleeve for all of my gym sessions. When I'm in person with people, I've been wearing the commuter pant and the commuter shirt. They're both very comfortable. Uh, Roan's flex knit fabric revamps a timeless silhouette and creates a pant that moves with my lifestyle. Same thing with their shirt. 
And then when I'm working from home, like right now I'm recording in my spar jogger pants, I wear my guru pants and my rain tech hoodie. They become some of my favorite items to wear when I'm working from home. And also I've got my Tundra quilted hooded jacket. It's my favorite jacket now. It keeps me warm, but it's not big and bulky. Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your next purchase. Go to roan.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. That's roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Okay, without giving away any spoilers, there are some scenes at the Uh-oh. Forum. There's some scenes at Boston Garden. Like, were you actually in those venues, or did you have no. to recreate those? We had to recreate them. Uh, we built the Forum in downtown Los Angeles on our stages, and uh, we had to just continue to dress it and redress it to make it look like that and redress the fans to make it look like the fans of that uh, that area and Again, exhausting process, but yeah, we continue to make it look like um, San Diego Clippers, uh, Portland Trailblazers, Seattle. We just had to keep redressing that same set. The insight into the characters, again, I'm someone who was there during the 80s. You know, I work in sports. I was closer than the average person to the characters in this, and I've learned some things. I got to tell you. I mean, if this is all true, like I'm like, wow, uh, Jerry West isn't really who I thought he might have been. And Pat Riley, a little different. Paul Westhead, who I know very well, a little different. I didn't know him when he was with the Lakers. But again, I know you read the books, you watch YouTube, but have you gotten any feedback from people saying, wow, I'm, I'm learning some things I didn't know about some of these characters? Not yet. Um and, and I can understand why they wouldn't be anxious to sort of uh, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I mean, you have to be empathetic to the idea of someone doing your life and you really don't have any say as to how that portrayal is going to take place and what's included and what's not included. So, no, I haven't really heard anything from anyone. But I think if since you have seen to episode eight, we try not to disparage anyone. You know, we do our best to stay within the margins of what happened. And it, I mean, we all are fans of the of the team and what the Lakers accomplished, and this is sort of a love letter to them. So, you know, hopefully, when they do see it, they appreciate the time and attention to detail that we took. Like I said, I've had Jeannie Buss on the show a few times. I did not know her dad. I never interviewed him. But one of the things I'd always heard, and I think the show brings this out, is. You know, a lot of people kind of labeled Dr. Boss as a flamboyant playboy of his era. But make no mistake, this dude was competitive and he wanted to yep. win. And you guys really highlight that in this series. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. And when you think about everything behind the scenes with, you know, the money issues, with making sure he had the best players, with making sure the forum is what it was, the forum club, the Laker girls, all those other things that came with him right when media was sort of exploding and we were going from those three channels to cable television and making basketball, basketball growing. I think Dr. Buss and the Lakers were sort of at the forefront of that movement and taking basketball away from just a sport and making it entertainment and pop culture. Um, all of that you can attribute to Dr. Buss, at least if not spearheading it, being right at the front of the fore in that movement. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Mark Cuban's been on this show. Like, there's a new wave of NBA owners beyond yeah. Dr. Jerry Buss. And but Dr. Jerry Buss was coming in at the time when like Red Arbach was the the king yep. of the hill. And but he was old school. And Dr. Buss yep. kind of came in and said, wait a minute. Like, why don't we have Laker dancers and why don't we make this entertainment beyond just a bunch of guys playing basketball? Why aren't we doing things during timeouts? And and I think the show does a good job of showing like, hey, this is this is entertainment, especially in L.A. It's not just basketball. And when you look at when we start uh, in 79 and 80, basketball was like the number five sport, like behind bowling. Right. I think. Yeah. And like way number five, like not even like a close uh, four to five. And so when you look at where it is now with a global game, you know, you go to China, I've been to China and seen like, you know, the big murals of Steph Curry and you you go anywhere in the world now and the NBA has some type of presence there. Uh, you, You have to think that this period of time was the beginning of that movement into making the game a global game. Yeah, you had a cameo from David Stern. I've had him on many times. He, you know, obviously the late David Stern, but I would say David Stern and, and Dr. Boss really instrumental in kind of bringing the NBA into the the new era. Like you said, uh, the 1980 Lakers Sixers was on tape delay on yeah. CBS. It was airing at like midnight. It wasn't even live. 11.45. I watched it as a kid because I was a huge Dr. J fan. And I remember having to stay up and not watching the news because the news would tell you, sportscasters right. would tell you who won or lost. <laughs> so you couldn't watch that and you had to wait to watch the game. So I remember that period of time. And I think with Dr. with David Stern, making that magic uh, bird rivalry, almost like must-see TV, it became um, Ali Frazier. It became like, you know, big time television. And before it used to be the teams, it wasn't the personalities. You know, it used to be, okay, the Knicks would be the Knicks, the Celtics, maybe four or five other teams. But then when it started to be about the players, it became like characters in a way, like in a movie. And you could start to, to market around that idea. And I think we, we sort of focus and hone in on that in a couple of episodes in a unique way. I'll tell you another funny story. When Paul Westhead was on this show, he said that they would practice sometimes at Inglewood High School. Yeah, and that the, we got that in there. Yeah, the gym, he said, sometimes was closed, so they'd be out on the asphalt, on the blacktop, practicing. <laughs> You've got two of potentially the five greatest players in Kareem and yep. Magic ever, and they're outside on the blacktop practicing. Can you imagine, Rodney, in today's era, not having the practice facility these players have and saying, you know what, we got to go practice on the asphalt today. They'd be like, I'm out. See you later. They wouldn't get out of the car. (laughs) They wouldn't get out out of the car to play. I promise you that. That's hilarious. Um, All right. One of the the casting uh, things that you guys did, and I had to watch this a few times because I was like, what? And no one caught up on this until I brought them up to speed, and I found out about this. from So Jack Kent Cook is Danny Noonan from Caddyshack. Yes, yes he is. Oh my God. He is, does a great job. Does a great job. I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. we all get older, but, uh, you know, I, I know <laughs> he had to... i trying to figure out a way to say that without actually saying it, but yeah. he does a fantastic job. He does a fantastic job. Well, I think, like I said, all the characters, uh, you guys did a really good job with the casting. 
Have you gotten any response from anyone, the real life characters in the show or just no response at all? No, I mean, there's been some back channel stuff that I can't probably shouldn't talk about just things that we've yeah, heard, that's fine. Like rumors and things, but you know, so far it's been positive, you know, but you never can tell because it's all back channel stuff. I haven't heard anything personal from any like player come out. Like magic hasn't called and said, you know what? On second thought, I love this. Yeah. I haven't gotten anything like that yet. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like I watched uh King Richard and mm-hmm. you know, you see at the beginning, the Williams family wasn't really on board with it, but then, you know, Will Smith got involved and, and they warmed up to it. Now I see they're like going to the award shows and like they're, they're totally embracing the project when at the beginning they weren't fully embracing it. So I just wonder like, you know, as this goes on, maybe some of the characters come out and go, Hey, you know, I, I think that's accurate. I hope so. I mean, I think sometimes like I was saying earlier that, you know, you get an idea of what a thing is, you hear about it, and you think it's going to be one thing, and then when you finally see it, you realize it's another. And so, best case scenario, hopefully all of these guys take a look at it and appreciate it for what it is, and, you know, get behind it and see, again, that it's a love letter of appreciation to them. During all your research, what was the thing that surprised you the most about this team? Um how different everyone like Spencer Haywood came from the deep South mm-hmm. uh, Kareem from Harlem magic from Lansing uh, Norm Nixon from Georgia. Everybody came, they were so far. Everybody was so different. And it really speaks to, if you've played any organized sports before, how a team comes together. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And it really just speaks to folks coming from different walks of life, coming together for this collective goal. Um, I was just surprised at the, the the personalities, how big they were and influenced by the world that they'd come from. Um, it's just amazing just to watch all of these guys come together the way that they did. Well, and you kind of look at like the coaching staff with Jack McKinney, Paul Westhead, yeah. Pat Riley. Yeah. I mean, that you look back on that and you're like, that's one heck of a coaching staff that they had. It is. And, and the way that it all sort of worked too, that, no one was really, none of them were really all on the same page. You know, Jack McKinney had his style. And of course he brought Coach Westhead in. But the way it all kind of shook out, no one could have imagined that that would be the result. You know, the end result would be what it would be. Yeah. Um, All right. Last question for you. For our audience that wants to get into the business and do what you do, Give us kind of your path and what advice would you have for people who are looking to get into this industry? I mean, it's really simple and complex at the same time. If you read a lot and you write a lot, there's a moment that you have to make this the most important thing in order to get good at it. And it's funny because I came up in a world before the internet and before social media And I think now is probably a better time than any to get in touch with um, agencies and folks that are looking for things. I can say that when I was in, I come from uh, Annapolis, Maryland, and I used to think everybody in Hollywood is a genius. And I haven't met any geniuses yet. (laughs) What I've met is a lot of folks who work really, really hard. And to anybody that wants to do this, if you're willing to work hard, and you have some moxie, you're willing to, you can deal with the word no and rejection. 
there's a place here for you. And what's the best way to network? Because again, you know, from people I've talked to breaking in and just getting people to look at your work or give you a chance, it's not an easy task. It's not, but I started at the bottom, you know, I was a production assistant and I didn't know the psychology. It's like, you can go to college and you can learn how to put a script together. But the psychology of Hollywood is a completely different thing in how the system works because it works outside of a framework of uh, conventional America where you go in with an application or a resume and someone hires you. Here, it's it, it has its own rhythm and its own ecosystem. So for me, I got a job as a production assistant and I just started meeting people. I just started to work with people. And once you get that closeness of proximity and you can make human connections with folks, you can learn and you can meet producers and you can meet directors and you can meet, you know, just folks who can influence you, not just in hiring you, but also in learning how they did what they did. And there's no one path. You know, writers ask me all the time, how did you do this thing? And I'm like, this is how I did it. But you could talk to 10 writers and get 10 different things. I think the thing that's the constant are the principles that's under it of really, really working hard, trying, trying to be your best self being nice to people, and just doing your best work. Great advice. Rodney Barnes, executive producer of Winning Time on HBO and HBO Max, 10-episode series based on the Lakers of the 1980s. I've watched through eight episodes. It is fantastic from the acting to the costumes to the music to the sets to the writing. It's all great. I highly recommend it. Rodney, thanks for sharing your insight with us, and thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Thank you very much for having me. Five G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, Five G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your Five G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art Five G networks and support teams across the NFL. NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M A L K A Sports. 
For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.